0: Brother Erickson has continued to speak for us this evening, and relative to his subject, he has asked that we read the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, so if everybody will turn there, please. Well, my brethren, I would like to say, and in thy mercy heal us all. That was a a beautiful line. I think first it's fitting that, uh, speaking for myself and my family and so many of my brethren that I'm certain of, that it is fitting that uh, we say thank you to all of the brothers and sisters who have contributed so much to make this, to provide this Bible school. It is a place where each year, I look forward to coming myself, and I know so many of you do likewise. I remember one time a few years ago that Brother Holmes Hayes says, speaking of this particular week, he says, this is our Passover. So I think it's fitting that we should, indeed, uh, say thank you, brothers and sisters here in Arkansas for providing this. Brother Ben Scrogan, I've heard him say for many years that this is the shortest week in the whole year. And if any of you have found it to be long, uh, it would surprise me. The Hebrews have a saying that the higher truth is, the simpler it is. I might say that uh, while we're here that uh, passing along an observation, a feeling of my own, that uh, suggests the idea that perhaps this is just a little bit of Israel. Think about that. It's gratifying here to see all of the young people here. That should enlarge itself, the very thought within the hearts of all of us. Now, by this time tomorrow, many of us will have gone our separate ways. We possibly will spend a few days or a few weeks, perhaps, uh, discussing some of the things that may have been spoken, some of the new acquaintances that may have been made, some of the old friends and brethren that have, we haven't seen for many, many years. But all in all, as we leave here, we go away well filled. I think that's what Brother Magee had in mind when he said, This, indeed, is our Passover. Do all of you hear me all right back there? If you don't, let me know. So anyway, whatever we have will t- to take back to our various stations in life, Uh heard Brother Chow say last night that we had people here from 23 states and two foreign countries. We've come many from great distances, and uh, we've made long journeys, some have. But we wouldn't be here, none of us, I'm certain, if we didn't feel that this was time well, well spent. So, what we take back will enrich the lives of us all. This will sustain us. An experience like this is something that does and is not easily forgotten. I placed something on the board over here that I want to share with you a, part, a portion of the board wasn't large enough that I uh, shared with you that uh, I shared with the class in which I was privileged to have a part of um, and I'm indebted to my daughter Faith for some of the research that she has made in Hebrew culture and the like As I hear these individuals raise their voice in song such as they have, this was beautiful, but as beautiful as it was, think of the verse that Brother Tom just read, where eye hath not seen, nor ear heard. If you can, in your imagination, and some of you have heard me say these very, very same words before, standing in this very same place, That were one privilege to be present at one of the religious festivals or something like that in the days of David the King when these individuals would raise their voice in song and in praise unto God what a thrilling uh, thing it is to even think about it now (coughs) to hear. Now the logic is based on the sense of hearing rather than It is the logic that is based on the sense of hearing rather than seeing. This is what characterizes our teaching. This is what characterizes our teaching. Now i put some information on the board over here. The Greek word thera or theory is derived from the Greek word theater. Theory in Western philosophy connotes what can be seen, visualized, or beheld. Now, the Hebrew way of apprehending truth is based on the acoustical sense. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. You've heard this mentioned many times from this same podium here. The word Semite, if you would uh, take a lexicon and look it up, you will find that it is akin to here. Now, do we understand the difference between the Hebrew and the non-Jewish Western way of perceiving truth? And this is the important thing. The latter wants to identify truth with what can be conceptualized or seen either in mind or body sense. To the Jew, the identification of the truth with that which can be seen is the beginning of idolatry. Think on that, if you will. If you would take a good concordance, Young's or any other, you would find page after page after page where, hear me, hear me, oh God, hear my cry. I will read some of them as we go along this evening. But I most certainly wanted to preface these remarks with this. To hear I ask Brother Tom to read from the second chapter of the book of First Corinthians for this reason. One might go away from here in doubt as to the, man, the means by which they understand God's word, the word that they have heard. And most assuredly, we would not want that to happen because God is not a God of confusion. And I think we have an explanation here. If we start with a basic truth that uh, we find in the book of Hebrews that uh, to come to God, that you've got to believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, then once we come to that uh, grasp and the reach should always exceed the grass. Once we come to that uh, grass, then we take a look concerning this matter in which we are taught. We are taught of God. We are taught of God. This is stated both in the Old and the New Testament, and we could find reference after reference to it. And so therefore, how are we taught Well, the brother has just read it to you, and before I go on to explore this, to hear, I want to reemphasize this. But God is revealed unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. I'm reading again from Corinthians, the uh, 10th verse. For what man knoweth the things of man, saith the Spirit of the man, Uh, which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also, when we speak, are we speak not, <clears throat> the words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, and John skipping down to the 16th verse, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. There is a verse in Philippians that has already been referred to this week, where it says, Think on these things. Now, I want to turn very briefly to Luke chapter 14, and hopefully you will turn along with me. Because we have a rather, um, we have a parable here um, that has a great deal of meaning, because it relates itself to this very thing I'm talking about right here to here. And he spake a parable, the the 18th chapter of the book of Luke beginning with verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them, that uh, in in this end, that men ought always to pray, and not to faint, saying, There was in the city a judge, which feared not God, nor regarded neither, regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not, for a while, but afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Well, this is a parable. This is the words of Jesus. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, And shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him, though he bare long with them. And here is a sobering verse that we come up to, one that I think that we should give us some thought. I tell you that that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And he spake a par- this parable unto a certain which trusted in the and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself: God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, are extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes to all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted again i hope you see the relationship here to here certainly the pharisee was crying out to god in his way in his the manner of his lifestyle or whatever you would call it his mental set And also we see another man we see within here also a widow who I suppose you might say was uh, the judge rather than to be continually uh, bothered with this woman finally granted her request but the main thing is here if we ask something if we ask God of something and this is not delivered speedily should we say, well, I probably wouldn't don't, didn't need it anyway, or I don't want it, or whatever else. I mean, whatever your own mental set may be, you're the one that lives within your skin the same as I live within mine. So therefore, my point that I'm making here is this, that we cry out, we cry out. Now, we could spend a lot of time on many of the psalms in particular, in which the psalmist, in his distress, is crying out unto the Lord. We'll take a look at one, Psalm 19.3, the 19th chapter, I should say, the 19th Psalm, and uh, just a little bit of it here. In this particular psalm, take a look at the 14th verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The meditation of my heart. Uh, we have studied recently in the class on the psalms an evening prayer and a morning prayer and we find that much of this is in silent prayer as we perhaps as we're washing the dishes or preparing supper or well fixing a battery <laughs> uh, whatever it might be that uh, in our heart we're praying in the 19th psalm there is one thing there that's a warning to us we don't need people to go around telling us how good we are rather we had better take a look at ourselves we'd better Take a look at ourselves as the brother says, examine yourself. I thought this was very well handled here in the, uh, uh, in the panel discussion concerning this matter of self-examination because oftentimes we look at ourselves and we find nothing wrong. And uh, perhaps it's, it's, it's difficult. You can see the, what is wrong with me better than I can see myself but uh, in this same 19th psalm the 13th verse uh, perhaps there's one thing here that we should take a look at uh, the 13th verse keep my thy servants again this is hear me hear me God you the understood subject Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins and let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And then he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. Presumptuous sins. Think upon this. Sins of pride. This is principally what we're talking about here. It fits so well with this thing uh, concerning. And when I speak Uh, as thus. I speak to myself. It's awfully easy to uh, point my finger hoping that I might somehow change the world by changing someone else when I know if I make this a better place. I have to start with myself. Now, um, one of our prayers One of the things, and I'm so thankful that I've heard this over and over again because I know that there are individuals who remember this, that in their prayers they pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you were listening to our brother just a little while ago, Brother Jim, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem because this is extremely important. As a matter of fact, we can read in the 137th psalm these words, the 137th psalm, these words. This, of course, one might point to the heading and say, well, uh, so what, Uh, why do you use this? This was at a time of the Babylonian captivity when there was great distress among the people. They wondered, should they ever see Israel again? And yet, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my tooth's joy. So one may ask oneself, what is one chief joy? We had this beautiful hymn. The time is quickly flying. I think that uh, along with this, what is truth? The farmer says that. God's word is the truth. God's law is the truth. If someone should ask you, if you would say, well, I've been down in Arkansas to a Christadelphian Bible school, and those people are a little bit different. I've been studying the truth. And someone might say, what is truth? Then, if you want to answer them with the only answer that's scripturally approved, you say that God's word is truth. And you find this all written in many places particularly in the 119th psalm so you might take this back with you and sometimes when you may be uh, at a position to where you are forced you're making a choice between between truth and error it might be well to take a look and see what does God's word have to say about truth and error (coughs) over and over (coughs) if you don't believe this (coughs) Get a Young's Concordance and take a look. Now, I'm not going into this, but over and over and over it states it this way. Take heed to thyself. Take heed to thyself. Again, if we're going to prepare ourselves for the time when our Lord has come, when we hopefully will find some small place in the kingdom of God, then it is necessary for us to take heed to ourselves. I want to turn to the twelfth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy for just very briefly. And I know that there's an exciting evening ahead. I shan't keep you very long, as a matter of fact, I'm nearly done. What could I say that hasn't already been said? You've heard many fine lectures. You've had opportunity to visit with brethren, those whom you know and trust. So what I am covering here or just a few things that each of us, including myself, might sort of index within the confines of our mind to where in our daily work, whatever that might be, that it may bring some comfort and peace to us. We may have a boss that's yelling at us or something like that. And this has a way, for example, of sort of uh, sedating now, speaking of this land of Israel, I'm reading from the 11th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. These words, But the land whether, thou, whether ye go to possess, it is a land of hills and valleys, and drink of water of the rain of heaven. You, mentioned, you know, I mentioned, it's like a little piece of Israel down here in uh, Arkansas. It really is. You people who live here, make your home here, I think are most fortunate of all people. Perhaps you live so close to these trees. You, the forest doesn't uh, attract you. Hopefully not. A land which the Lord thy God, now we're speaking of Israel, a Lord which the land thy God cares for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. Now, my brethren, I would like to summarize just a little bit by going back to the second chapter of the First Corinthians that all of us Each of us, I should say, are faced with the things that would beset us and separate us from God, from the promise, the hope of the promise that is within us. It is the hope of Israel that we are bound with this chain. We're all bound with it. And it seems to me that as we go away, that we're not going away. We have not been uh, inundated with a lot of big and fancy words or something like that, the people who have spoken to you and the conversations that I have entered into myself are scripture oriented This is the thing that we're here for. This is a Bible school. And for that reason, we should take heed for none of us, Quoting again here, we are determined not to know uh, anything save Jesus Christ. This is with heart to what you read in the book of Genesis or the book of Revelation or wherever you read it. Jesus Christ is the heart of the whole thing. The heart of the whole matter. And most assuredly, if we can say with certainty that we have the mind of Christ and we have the, uh, well, what word should I use, the integrity and the uh, will to do so, that most of the things that beset us we can well figure out by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Now, hopefully, that each of you, as you begin your day, you would begin your day with such a day that this is the day that Christ is coming. I know He's going to be here. As we lie ourselves down to sleep at night, this is the day that Christ is coming. If Christ were to make His appearance right now, would He want to find me screaming at my children, calling up a teacher and telling her off? Uh, doing some of the things that uh, are aggravating. We all have our aggravations, but we have a way of handling them. We're better off than most people. We have a way of handling them because we do have promise of something better. And individuals, believe it or not, you may not think so, but I'm sure that Christadelphian, what is a Christadelphian? Well, you got a pretty good definition of it last night, a good one. A Christadelphian is an individual that may be called, along with a Jew, a peculiar person, holy unto God's sight. And so, therefore, you have a certain attraction to other individuals. And this, whatever you say and do, hopefully, would always be to the greater glory of God. This doesn't mean that you're running around singing psalms or anything like that or standing on the street corner playing, making prayers, but in your daily lives, in the things that you do. So begin each day, my brethren, with the idea that this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it because this is the day that Jesus is going to get here. In the final verses that I want to read you, from the book of Numbers. And now, my brethren, before I read this, <clears throat> think of these words. Those of you who are familiar with the verse, it should be a memory verse. You should never have to open your Bible to turn to it. What does the Lord require of thee? What does the Lord require of thee? to love kindness, to do justness, and walk humbly before thy God. What else can you do? I heard a brother say, What can we give God that he doesn't already have? What can we give him? Well, we can give him obedience. Was that you, Ned, who said that today? Yes, I believe it was in the panel discussion. This is the only thing that, uh, that you can give God. So therefore, to walk humbly. And I'm talking to myself as well as all of you. Now, reading from the 11th or the uh, 6th chapter of the book of Numbers, and in conclusion, speaking to Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, in our class this morning, we spent just a few minutes going into the meaning of the word blessed. The word blessed literally means one who has found favor with God, blessed, or one who hopes to find favor with God. Blessed. The Lord bless keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will hear them. Now, brethren, until we meet again, here Christ does long in coming, keep your eye on anything concerning the land of Israel and what is happening to the Hebrew people, because our lives... And our hope are so intimately tied up together that we are one. It has been a pleasure being here. It's always a pleasure to see old friends, brethren. It is always a pleasure to meet new brethren who travel and come here. I wish you all Godspeed.